0: A brief update, it's May the 12th, 2024, I've released just two episodes of this year, my father-in-law passed away in January, he bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years, rest in peace John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my
1: podcast. The man Nick's fans used to call St. Patrick became Scrooge for the Bulls as he ruined their Christmas day. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball.
0: Ewing goes up. The basket counts.
1: Ewing hit a 10-foot rebound shot at the buzzer to send the Bulls home with a lump of coal in their stocking.
0: That's good. I like that.
1: Coach Doug Collins refused to accept the defeat initially and sat on the Bulls bench for five minutes before going back to the locker room.
0: Wow. I had no idea that ever happened. Great to know this sort of stuff. He obviously took the loss very hard.
1: Long shot, but
0: they don't black Ewing out. He gets aggressively on the board. A long rebound comes right to him at front, rims it as the light goes off and falls in. What a win. I always like to say that Michael got to play with me for a year at
1: North Carolina. <laughs> I think it really helped him. Spectacular player from the beginning.
0: You can see right away Jordan was going to be a big-time scorer. And showed what an impact he was going to have on the league.
1: This is NBA 87 celebrating the 30-year anniversary of Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls in the 1987 NBA season. Now, here's your hosts, Adam Ryan and Aaron Steen.
0: Welcome back to another episode of NB87. We're up to episode five in the series, Aaron. Welcome back to you. Uh, Also, welcome back to our regular listeners and also those new to the
1: show. How are you today, mate? Good, thank you, mate. Looking forward to a first on the NB87 series. We'll get into that in just a moment, mate.
0: Just before that, I want to quickly thank a good listener of the show, uh, Curtis Martin. Kmart's back again, mate. He recently added another review via iTunes on the US store, and the review is titled Air vs. X, Part 1, and it reads, along with a five-star rating. Thanks, Curtis. Once again, I learned something new. I didn't know about the incident between the X-Man and Michael Jordan. So he's referring to Episode 4 of this series where... X-Man poked Jordan in the face in between some free throws taking place, I think, if memory serves correct. Yeah. Quite an unusual incident. And uh, he goes on to say, I figured the only run-in that they had was years later during Game 7 of the 1992 Eastern Conference semis when Mike told X to blank you, X. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, Curtis, for actually (laughs) not using the correct words that uh, Jordan clearly mouthed to X-Man.
1: So, what did MJ actually say, Adam? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, funny stuff. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> fire truck you, baby. Um, something like that. <laughs> Clearly see him mouth it, though, when you watch the clip. Curtis goes on to say, just like what he did in that game in 1992, Mike lit X up for another 40. Oh, and nice play on the now infamous Curtis Kitchen. I'm sure that's the only airtime he's gotten since playing for the Rockets.
1: That's what we do here on the Inolanus franchise, and in particular, the (laughs) MB87 podcast series is that we, we shine a light on players such as the A4 mentioned. Exactly right. And, uh,
0: let's be honest, all these guys are in the top three to 400 players on earth during this particular time. So. Whilst they might be journeyman players or just play a single season or they might play a handful of games and that's it, yep. they're all at the highest level, so got to commend them for getting that far in their pro careers. You can find Curtis on Twitter at kmartin81, a great fan of the show. Thanks again. All right, mate. You alluded to this a moment ago. We briefly bounced this idea off one another, um slash you mentioned it to me at the end of <laughs> the recording of episode four, a variation on you fake the call,
1: a la... Dazzling Dunks and basketball bloopers. Uh, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, after some overwhelming feedback from our listener. That <laughs> <laughs> was deafening. In which I gave you the other curly one of Clyde Drexler's middle name and whether or not it was actually Clarence. We thought it'd be a good idea to play a game, Adam. Each episode, uh, we'll be playing NBA players' middle names, you fake the call. An example of how the game is played, I'll give you an NBA player's full name, middle name included, and you'll have to let me know if you think it is true or false, Adam. Okay, let's do it. The example is Charles Wade Barkley. Wade is definitely
0: Charles's middle name. That is correct. Based on studying his NBA
1: hoops card about 7,000 times in the early 1990s, So far, we can establish that you're like Dickie Sinkins, Adam, the ultimate practice player. (laughs) Throwing a bit of shade there at me, but anyhow, who's the
0: first official name you'd like to trot out?
1: Well, I'd like to start off with a, a Hall of Famer and one of the greats of the game. Oh, wow. Otherwise known as Bob Cousy, Adam. Oh, boy. Okay, this could end badly really quickly, too. Robert William Cousy. (laughs) <laughs> True or false?
0: I'm trying to work out your psyche. The first question that you're going to throw at me, I'm leaning towards false because I think you're going to try and, <laughs> and set me up from the word go. So, at the moment, based on the fact I think you're trying to trick me, William sounds plausible. By all means, certainly sounds plausible. Um, In relation to the coups, I'm going to say false.
1: That is correct, Adam. Ho-ho! The middle name, William, is actually the... The middle name of the player directly under him in the NBA Encyclopedia, a man by the name of Dave Cowans. David William Cowans? Okay. The Cousers' middle name, Robert Joseph Kuzi.
0: Yeah, I thought you would probably try to throw me under the bus to start with. <laughs> I'm glad that I said false. One for one. So next episode, mate, you can fake the call, true or false.
1: That's okay, because I've got about 300 pages here of NBA Encyclopedia in front of me, so I'll be able to look up the answer in no time.
0: I'll be able to hear the fast and furious flipping of pages <laughs> or the, the quick keystrokes on a keyboard <laughs> as basketball references
1: <laughs> opened in the background.
0: <laughs> NBA News Notes and Quotes December 16th through 30th, 1986 This episode all but rounds out the 1986 calendar year. Uh, we will wrap up with a couple of Player and Coach of the Month details even though there is officially one extra day that won't be covered in this episode. Over to you, mate.
1: Little girls scream, bigger girls dream, and ticket managers drool over the mention of his name. Who am I referring to? Dave cause, Coz- no, Michael Jordan.
0: <laughs> Joe O'Neill. I think he was for the best part into the 2000s, might even be to this day. Joe O'Neill still the ticket manager.
1: We are both friends with a gentleman by the name of Matt Kerr, who is the son of Bulls legend Johnny Red Kerr, and Matt posted on Facebook just the other day that there were two 50-year season ticket holders that were honoured at halftime of the recent Bulls game and one of the the Bulls staffers who were on hand to honour these season ticket holders was a Joe O'Neill. Aha, there you go. Since joining the Bulls in 1984, the Bulls' road crowds have gone from an average of 9,211 to now 15,657, or second in the NBA behind the Celtics. Or third, if you actually looked at the table that had them listed third, which was right beside the article that Bob had them listed second in. But anyway, (laughs) I digress. (laughs) Nuggets communication director Harvey Kirkpatrick said, without question, Jordan is the NBA's biggest draw card. His absence due to injury the previous season cost the Nuggets $90,000 in ticket sales. Wow. The previous game in Milwaukee was sold out four days before the game, and all Mecca staff could talk about was how excited everyone was to see Jordan play. Not even Larry Bird had that kind of aura, commented one Bucks executive. and NBA spokesperson, Terry Lyons, also called MJ, and I quote, the people's choice, end quote. Hmm. Jordan's appeal reached everyone from young fans right through to the white-collar businessman with his business acumen and the corporate image he had developed.
0: It was a very busy day in the association on December 16. There were 11 games on the slate. Alex English died up 45 points at Sacramento in the Nuggets' 120-119 to win over the Kings. Fat Lever added 17 points, 11 rebounds, 14 assists and 6 steals. The Kings' leading scorer was ex-clipper Derek Smith, who contributed a Sacramento career high of 31 points. Smith would play in 116 games with Sacto. Detroit stopped Atlanta from winning 10 straight home games to open their season. Bill Laimbeer was omnipresent with 28 points and 20 rebounds. The Hawks were the league's only unbeaten team at home prior to that loss. Spud Webb was out with an injured knee and Neek missed with flu-like symptoms. Final score, Detroit 111-100. to 100. At Washington, Utah stole a 109-106 win, courtesy of a Daryl Griffith three-ball from 26 feet. It was a seventh straight win for the streaking Jazz. Moses Malone dominated for the Bullets, notching 38 points and 21 rebounds in the loss. Boston outlasted New York 107-96 in a game that was marred by a second-quarter punch-on between Patrick Ewing and Greg Kite. Bird led all scorers with 29 points, and he had all those points in the first three quarters. A December nineteen newspaper reported that Patrick would be fined three thousand dollars for first throwing an elbow and then slugging kite at least twice. Greg was not injured also on this date. Chicago hosted New Jersey in front of ten thousand one hundred and sixty two fans at Chicago Stadium. The Bulls had a one point win ninety nine to ninety eight and they moved to five hundred on the season, eleven and eleven for the bulls. Jordan had forty one points and five boards, Steve Coulter fourteen points Mike Brown. His name will be mentioned in more depth shortly, great friend of the show, episode 62, had 10 points and 8 rebounds, and Charles Oakley, 11 rebounds. And for New Jersey, the G-man, Mike Jaminsky, had 24 points and 6 boards, Buck Williams, 20 points and 11 boards, and Tony Brown, 17 points, 7 rebounds and 7 assists. Hmm. Now, Tony Brown played 10 games for the Chicago Bulls in the 86 season. Had a really good purple patch during this period of time as well. I won't mention him a whole lot, but he did have some great
1: games. John Paxson had a lot of egg on his face when Mike Brown came along and unscrambled everything, wrote Bob Sakamoto. (laughs) I love that. That's very clever. Paxson, when trapped by MB85 favorite Leon Wood, after picking up his dribble, tried to deflect the ball off Wood's leg out of bounds, only to have Wood retrieve the ball and race up court. Jordan fouled Leon, and he made both free throws to give the Nets the lead with six seconds remaining. On the ensuing play, MJ missed a 15-footer, only to have Mike, no-neck Brown, tip in the miss with a second to go. Post-game, Jordan teased Brown that the replay showed the miss was going to bounce back in the hoop, and he spoiled Jordan's shot. Brown added that the nets were drawn to Jordan like a magnet, making it easy for him to get in for the offensive rebound.
0: That's fantastic. I'd love to actually see footage of that. I don't think this game exists in trading circles. Of the four games on the December seventeenth slate, the pick of the bunch was Cleveland's 110-107 to 107 victory at Philadelphia. Barkley led the 76ers with 32 points and 14 boards. However, the Cavs, Brad Doherty, 29 points and 11 boards, and Ron Harper, 27 points and 8 steals, if you don't mind, oh. was too much. Harp's career high in steals would be 10, also against the Sixers, in March of 87
1: on the following day december 18 michael jordan sat out the bulls practice for the upcoming game against the indiana Pacers with a twisted right ankle as coach collins continued to stress movement away from jordan on the offensive end they're starting to watch again he said in reference to jordan's teammates standing watching and leaving the heavy lifting to mj even granville waiters agreed that when in the scoring position Jordan's teammates take it for granted that he's going to score. <laughs> he doesn't see MJ as a greedy player at all. It's just that when he makes a move, his teammates aren't making a move to score. He also said Collins' strategy of shuffling the starting five to suit matchups isn't something he's encountered before, though no players were complaining. Hmm. Rumors were circulating about the availability of a backup center from the Knicks, Bill Cartwright. The Bulls were $1 million under the cap with three first-round picks the next season, so had the assets to persuade the Knicks into a trade. Supercenter Dave Corzine was scheduled to play guitar in a celebrity rock <laughs> band in an upcoming fundraising event for Toys for Tots. That's
0: legendary. On this date, the 18th, Portland traded Walter Berry to San Antonio in return for rookie Kevin Duckworth. Berry was the Blazers' number 14 pick in the 86 draft to that point, he'd played just seven games with Portland, tallying 13 points in a total of 19 minutes. Hmm. Walter was out of the league after the 89 season, whereas Duck became a cult hero in Portland, playing with the franchise through the 1993 campaign, appearing in two NBA finals, and finally exited the league in 1997. He sadly passed away in 2008 at just the age of 44. So rest in peace, Duck. Chicago visited Indiana in front of 15,844 fans and the Bulls won the game 97-88 to 88, and they improved to 12-11 and 11 on the season. For the Bulls, Jordan had 41 points and 6 assists. Johnny Pax had 13 points and Charles Oakley, 12 points and 11 boards. For Indiana, Chuck Person had 17 points, 9 boards and 5 assists. John Long, Wayman Tisdale, Herb Williams, Vern Fleming and Clint Richardson had 10 plus points each. This was Jordan's 15th 40-plus point effort in the team's opening 23 games. And further, it was his 10th 40-plus game in his last 11 contests. So, fair to say that Jordan was unconscious in the scoring column.
1: December 18, the day of this game, didn't start out too well for Bulls coach Doug Collins. He left what the sack called his handbag in a hotel restaurant before the game. Collins lost $1,000 in cash, credit cards, checkbooks a watch, plane tickets, and two pairs of sunglasses. Then, the four tickets that Collins had left for a friend to attend Thursday's game were stolen. Oh, jeez. It was also reported that Collins must also stay behind when the team leaves Indiana to fill out the accompanying police reports.
0: Wow. Not a great few days there for Doug. That's great minutia, mate. Now, in other fines that were doled out by the NBA on this date... John Long of Indiana was slugged $3,000 for fighting with Rick Carlisle of Boston. Rick copped a $1,500 fine for retaliating. $500 fines were handed out to the Celtics Larry Bird and Greg Kite and Walker Russell and Stuart Gray of the Pacers for leaving the bench area during that fight. Further, Detroit's Vinnie Johnson was slapped $2,500 for throwing the first punch in a fight with Atlanta's Tree Rollins. Tree was then lopped for two thousand dollars for throwing several punches in return. And to round it out, three other pistons were hit with five hundred dollar fines stemming from the same fight Tony Campbell, Joe Dumas, and Sidney Green. So NBA, nothing but altercations. Returning to basketball, Daryl Griffith hit for a would be season high of thirty eight points at Cleveland as the Jazz won a high scoring contest one hundred thirty four to one twenty eight in double overtime. Dr. Duncan Stein forced overtime by hitting a three-pointer with one second remaining in regulation. Detroit thumped the visitors from San Antonio, 114 to 84, in the day's biggest blowout. The second-largest loss was an intriguing one. Entering the fourth quarter, hometown Dallas were tied at 102 with the visitors from Denver. Mark Aguirre scored 11 points in a 27 to 9 Mavericks run en route to a season high to that stage for him of 33 points. Dallas then rolled to a 141 to 118 win after being tied after three quarters. That was the 11th win in the Mavs' previous 14 games.
1: On December 20, the day the Bulls hosted the Jazz, Bob Sakamoto detailed the struggles of Charles Oakley of late. After a good start shooting the ball, Oak had struggled from the field and was prone to sloppy turnovers, which was irking Doug Collins. Things came to a head in practice in Indianapolis when Oakley was kicked out of the session for talking while Collins was trying to make a point. Wow. He was then fined for missing the team's shoot around the following day and also benched for the game in Indianapolis. Oakley was becoming frustrated that he wasn't getting the quantity of shots that he was earlier on in the season.
0: That's interesting, isn't it? To see that uh they had a bit of a bit of a power struggle, I guess you'd say. So hmm. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to see that actually transpire. It hmm. would have been very interesting. Nine games took place on december twenty. The Bulls would feature in the closest game of the day, which we'll get to in just a moment. Rookie Chuck Person was on fire at New York, erupting for a then-career high of 34 points. Add to that 12 rebounds and 10 assists, and you have yourself what those in the know would commonly refer to as a (laughs) triple-double. New York's The Journal News reported that Knicks GM Scotty Sterling had coveted Auburn University's person in the 1986 NBA draft. Chuck went at number four to the Pacers, whilst the Knicks, picking at number five, then chose Kenny Walker of Kentucky. Indiana sprung for 42 fourth quarter points at MSG on the way to a 123 to 99 shellacking of the Knicks. At Milwaukee, Boston were drummed 120 to 100 and Ricky Pierce, great friend of the show, episode 28, had a game high 29 points for the Bucks. Most interesting, in the last quarter, Chris Ford, Boston's assistant coach, was called for a technical foul after arguing a call. That led to Ford and coach Casey Jones charging onto the court to confront and argue the call further with referee Joe Crawford. Both Boston coaches were ejected, and that left team captain Dennis Johnson to coach the Celtics for the remainder of the game. That was definitely worth making mention of. Don't often uh, hear that sort of stuff happening.
1: This game and DJ's one game as head coach of the Celtics was featured on an NBA action back in the day, Adam.
0: There you go. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that, mate. Well yeah, we are minutiae lovers and we're currently uniting. In other results... it's <laughs> not too bad. It's not too bad. In other results, Rolando Blackman, another great friend of the show, almost implied, let's be honest, episode 72, dropped an individual daily high of 39 points across all games as his Mavs continued their winning ways in a strong 11-point victory, 130 to 119, over the visiting LA Lakers. For Roe, that was the second highest single game score of his 1987 season. He went for 41 at New York in mid-January 87. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did not play. He returned to LA earlier in the day due to some right eye issues and he actually would miss a further few games throughout this period of time as well with the same complaint. Just on a side note here mate, last night I mentioned to yourself and a great mate of ours, Todd Spear, that Rolando Blackman, I've always pronounced his name as Rolando, but on closer inspection of basketball reference where it shows pronunciations, I just happened to note it says Rolando Blackman. Slight difference in the pronunciation. makes a bit of a difference, I guess.
1: And immediately after informing us of the correct pronunciation for the life of me, I could not remember how I've always pronounced his name. If it was Rolando or Rolando or Rolando.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've even had him on the show as a guest and I'm pretty sure I just have always defaulted to Rolando. This is fascinating
1: stuff, really, isn't it? One thing I do know for sure is that Blackman never played for the Orlando Magic.
0: <laughs> well done. I like that. You've always been a maverick. Chicago hosted Utah in front of just eleven thousand four hundred and ninety-three. We're still talking about December twenty here. The Jazz held on to win ninety one to eighty nine and the Bulls dropped to twelve and twelve. For Chicago, Jordan had twenty seven points, seven assists. Gene Maxim Security Banks had twelve points and six rebounds. Oakley had seventeen rebounds. And Dave Corzine had a great game, 10 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists and 2 blocks. For Utah, the mailman had 17 points and 9 boards. Mark Eaton, great friend of the show, episode 49, 16 points, 13 rebounds and 9 blocks, just one block shy
1: of a triple-double. And Big T, Thurl Bailey, had 15 points. There were 11 Bulls and 11,493 fans at the Chicago Stadium. Waiting for a show they've come to expect, wrote Bob Sakamoto. Instead, MJ scored just five points in the fourth quarter as the Bulls blew a 13-point lead. A 19-4 to Jazz run in the final seven minutes and seven Bulls turnovers down the stretch of the game was all she wrote for the Bulls. The biggest one was by MJ himself as he coughed up the ball trying to post up future Bull Bobby Hansen. Something that may have played on MJ's mind was seven four Mark Eden, who forced Jordan to alter his game at times. Post-game, Frank Layden, Utah head coach, said, Jordan mesmerizes him, and I quote, I forget about the game and I think I'm at the burlesque, end quote. <laughs> now, hang on,
0: wasn't there another episode of our series? There was something about burlesque. I think you even finished off an episode by signing off.
1: Tony Campbell, yeah, burlesque.
0: I don't know exactly what context we said it, but it was quite amusing at the time.
1: You were trying to describe him as being burly. Yeah, you called him Burly giddy-up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, good stuff there from Frank Layden, as always. Now, that's a disappointing loss for Chicago as well. Again, they definitely should have won, you'd have to say. Now, there were just four games on the 21st of December. The closest margin of victory was seven, as the Lakers held on for a 103-96 to win at Houston. In large part, thanks to Magic Johnson's 38-point effort, the biggest victory was Portland's 128-101 demolition job versus the visiting Washington Bullets. This was the Blazers' 10th win in 12 games as they improved to 17-11 and 11 on the season.
1: On December 22, Bob Sakamoto reported that right along with his young team, coach Doug Collins was experiencing some growing pains of his own. Despite their 12-12 and record having them as one of the surprises of the young NBA season, Collins was at a loss to explain the inconsistency of his team. Knowing that they couldn't play on emotion all season and that their talent would have to win them games, Collins stressed defense and to this point they had the NBA's third best defense.
0: That is a great effort for a young team Hmm. to actually have such a good D. Early on, uh, very promising. Now, there are only two games on the 22nd of December. New York's Patrick Ewing dominated the Spurs, dropping 29 points and corralling 15 rebounds. I guess it's close to Christmas. He could have been caroling 15 rebounds. <laughs> the Knicks held on for a 103 to 99 win. The victory snapped an eight game losing streak for the Knickerbockers. Visiting Philadelphia, Utah were jazzed by Bobby Hansen's last second basket and subsequent free throw. Following a steal by John Stockton with just six seconds left in the game, Utah 114 defeated Philadelphia 111. In contrasting fortunes for each team, this was the Jazz's tenth win in eleven games. For the Sixers, they dropped six of their last seven. Hanson top scored with 25 points. He had a career high of 28 in the 1988 season, and Barkley had 21 rebounds. Through December 22nd, bit of a, a minutia uh, alert, mate. Denver's Fat Lever was averaging 8.8 rebounds a game. Better than 14 starting centres in the NBA. And that stats courtesy of Jeanette Howard of the Detroit Free Press.
1: The following day, December 23, Bob detailed the change in fortunes for Earl (laughs) Curriton, who started the season at small forward for the Bulls, but had now been placed at the end of the bench. Even Curriton's team-first attitude would have been tested after he had been overlooked after the return of Geno Banks. And the improved play from rookies, sellers and Brown. Earl added not having a contract passed this season was on his mind as he had a home in Detroit that still needed to be paid off and was also caring for his 67 year old mother at the time.
0: Okay. So we had quite a few things going on there, but uh, sounds like he was a, a consummate pro, I guess. Um, Chicago hosted Cleveland in front of 14,698 and the Bulls won 108 to 92 and improved to 13 and 12. For Chicago, Jordan had another fantastic game. 43 points, 5 boards, and 6 assists. Oakley had 15 points and 8 rebounds. Johnny Pax, 15 points. And Dave Corzine, 10 points, 10 boards, and 5 assists. For Cleveland, Hot Rod Williams had 17 points and 10 boards. Ron Harper, Phil Hubbard, and Mal Turpin all had 10-plus points. And Brad Doherty had 9 points, 12 boards, and 5 assists. Now, there were no games on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, Uh, However, we can often rely on there being a Bulls game recap.
1: An inspirational fourth quarter from Supercenter Dave Corzine capped the Bulls' win over Cleveland at the stadium. A gash over his eye that left him bleeding on his face and jersey along with eight fourth quarter rebounds typified the emotion this Bulls team was running on. As he came to the bench for medical attention to the cut over his eye, Corzine received the first-ever standing ovation in his five-year career in Chicago. That's tremendous. After wiping the bladder with a towel and jumping back into the fray, the applause got even louder for Dave.
0: Oh, that is so good. I love that. I love that. As you were saying that, I was smiling from ear to ear. That was fantastic. Returning to games on the 23rd of December. Magic Johnson hit a career-high 46 points. Now, I would have thought he would have sprung for at least 50 once in his career, but I was somewhat surprised. His career-high was 46. Would you have thought he would have ever gone for 50? Honestly, no. Eh, okay.
1: No, I wouldn't have thought that, that Magic would have had a 50-point game. And hmm. considering a lot of the, the basketball card sets during the early 90s had cards for especially 50-point games in the NBA, yeah, I could never... Recall having seen a Magic Johnson 50-point game card. Yeah, I mean, he'd always
0: score if you wanted to, but he was obviously more prone to just dish out the ball with reckless abandon, of course, as he was known to do throughout the Showtime era. Um But yeah, had 46 points at Sacramento in the Lakers' 127-117 to 117 win. He played all 48 minutes, and he had 10 rebounds and 9 assists for good measure. Phoenix rookie Kenny Gaddison scored a career-high 29 points and grabbed 10 rebounds, helping his sons eclipse the Dallas Mavericks For the Mavs, Mark Aguirre led all scorers with 32 points, and James Donaldson had a blinder with 22 points and 16 rebounds. At home, Tom Chambers scored 23 of his 35 points in the second half, guiding his Seattle Supersonics to a 127-116 to win over the visitors from Denver. For the Nuggets, Hall of Famer Alex English top-scored with 36 points. And Gerald Wilkins was quoted in a December 24 newspaper about the next day's game between his Knicks and the visiting Chicago Bulls. Quote, I have to guard Michael Jordan on national TV on Christmas Day in front of a million people. Christmas is still a long way away from me. I'll be happy if I can hold him under his average. End quote. <laughs> now, MJ's average, 37.5 <laughs> points per game. Wow. So we'll see how that transpired. That's keeping the bar low, Gerald.
1: <laughs> it is. But will he do so? On the aforementioned Christmas Day... A smile crept across Michael Jordan's face as he was asked about the last time he played in front of a nationally televised CBS audience. His 63-point effort against the Celtics in the 1986 playoffs had CBS giddy up at the prospect (laughs) of giving its viewers Michael Jordan as a Christmas present. This was to be Jordan's first appearance on national TV in a regular season game.
0: That's a great little stat there too. Hmm.
1: In other Bulls news, Doug Collins spent an hour with Charles Oakley going over game tape in an attempt to fix some fundamental errors in his game. Wow. Collins also said he knew nothing of a report that would send Buffont Coulter to the 76ers for sedale threat, or that the Knicks had contacted the Bulls about trading guards Trent Tucker and Rory Sparrow. Hmm. Needless to say, future Bull Trent Tucker and future Bull Rory Sparrow. Exactly right. There's quite a few future Bulls coming up there, yeah. The Tribune included a holiday wish list for the Bulls of things they may hope to find under their Christmas tree that morning. These included a life-size Johnny Dawkins doll for Jerry Krause, (laughs) a real-life David Robinson for Coach Collins, (laughs) a talk show on radio for Johnny Red Kerr, a schedule that has more games in Texas for Jim Durham, Texas being his home state, uh-huh. a peace treaty with Doug Collins for Charles Oakley. <laughs>
0: That's appropriate.
1: Nautilus equipment to build strength for Brad Sellers. Oh, jeez. Shoes with springs for Dave Corzine, <laughs> a neck for Mike Brown, <laughs> a baby girl to go along with his baby boy for John Macbeth Paxson, and a jump shot for Steve Coulter. Oh, Harsh.
0: Well now it makes sense why Jim Durham, following his tenure as Bulls commentator, would actually go to the Mavs mm. and commentate for them for quite a few years given his home state is Texas. So you learn something new every day. A couple of scathing would be presents there, you must admit.
1: Mm.
0: Now, to the game itself, Chicago visited New York in front of fifteen thousand eight hundred and eleven at Madison Square Garden, and the Knicks held on to win eighty six to eighty five. The Bulls would drop to thirteen and thirteen. For Chicago, Gerald Wilkins indeed did hold Michael Jordan below his average. Jordan only had 30 points, 5 assists and 6 steals. Dave Corzine, 14 points and 9 rebounds. And Charles Oakley, 12 rebounds. For the Knicks, Ewing had 28 points and 17 boards. Gerald Henderson had 19 points and 8 assists. And Mr. Bill, Bill Cartwright, had 14 points.
1: The man Knicks fans used to call St. Patrick became Scrooge for the Bulls as he ruined their Christmas Day. Six seconds to go.
0: Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up.
1: The basket counts. Ewing hit a 10-foot rebound shot at the buzzer to send the Bulls home with a lump of coal in their stocking.
0: That's good. I like that.
1: Coach Doug Collins refused to accept the defeat initially and sat on the Bulls bench for five minutes before going back to the locker room.
0: Well, I had no idea that ever happened. Great to know this sort of stuff. He obviously took the loss very hard. Long shot but they don't black Ewing out. He gets aggressively on the boards. A long rebound comes right to him and front rims it as the light goes off and falls in. What a win.
1: Dave Corzine's three-point play with seconds left put the balls up one, but then Corzine didn't get a body on Ewing who put the offensive rebound back uncontested. Some pregame drawing had MJ telling Patrick he was going to dunk on him, which he did, but Pat won the war with his late game heroics. Doug Collins complained about the Bulls lack of defensive rebounding in the fourth, but he may have brought it on himself by having Charles Oakley on the bench for most of the period. It was added at the end of the article that the Bulls were one team that the Knicks hoped to move Bill Cartwright to, who was in the second year of a six-year deal that paid him $7.5 million in total.
0: Now, in the only other Christmas Day game, the Bullets travelled to Philadelphia and took the win 102-97. to 97. This was Moses Malone's first visit to Philly since the massive trade that sent him to Washington. He came to play, dropping 28 points and 21 boards on the Sixers, When Moses was introduced, he received a standing ovation for almost one minute. Now, on the 26th, at Phoenix, Boston, coming off a rare two-game losing skid, returned to the winner's circle with a 122-112 win. Kevin McHale had 32 points and 15 rebounds, and Larry Legend added 26. Now, it's worth noting for the Celtics, 1986 sixth man of the year, Bill Walton, would not play a single game with the team until March of 87. Depending on medical reports, He was out for between six to eight or eight to 10 weeks, or even in some instances indefinitely, following surgery on his right ankle.
1: On December 27, Bob Sakamoto reported that rookie Brad Sellers was to be suspended by the team for four days, meaning he would miss the upcoming game against Indiana. Sellers was seen speaking to Doug Collins at LaGuardia Airport as the Bulls were leaving New York. Collins had gotten wind, that several players were planning to leave New York early and immediately let the team know that they would all be leaving together. Sellers then apparently left to go spend Christmas with his family in Cleveland anyway. Sellers would be fined one eighty second of his salary or $5,183, miss three practices at $150 each, and would be fined $250 for missing the team flight.
0: Yeah, that's great detail of what actually would unfold in terms of him going against the wishes of Collins, obviously. So, so much for the unity of the team. Suspension forthcoming. There you go.
1: The suspension may have been placed to send a message to the team after a little unrest with Oakley and Picuriton openly expressing their unhappiness.
0: Yeah, okay. Wow. So, things weren't all as rosy as they possibly seemed for the young and upcoming Bulls. Now, Chicago hosted Indiana in front of 16,781 on the 27th. And the Bulls would win 105 to 93 and improved again to above 500 by one game, 14 and 13. For Chicago, Jordan was unreal, 44 points, Earl Curiton, 18 points and eight rebounds, and Charles Oakley had two points, 13 rebounds, and a career high, 15 assists. So he obviously, uh, came to play. Now for Indiana, Chuck Person had 23 points, 12 boards and four assists. Steve Stepanovich had 22 points and nine rebounds, and Vern Fleming had 16 points and five assists.
1: Someone in the locker room hollered out, "Magic Oakley," in reference to the six-nine <laughs> power forward's career-high 15 assists and 13 rebounds in the Bulls' victory <laughs> over Indiana. Oak's fine game supported MJ's flu-stricken 44 points and 18 for Earl Curriton. A Bulls 12-3 run to finish the second period got them a one-point lead going into the main break, and a 12-0 run in the third broke it open. Indiana got to within six on a Chuck Connors person basket, but the Bulls then outscored them 20-6 to to finish the game. Jordan, Paxson, and Turner were all suffering from the flu, with MJ's temperature reaching 101. Mm. Despite the flu, Turner provided excellent defense for the Bulls in this game. There were also further talks between the Knicks and Bulls, for a trade involving Gene Banks with Rory Sparrow, Trent Tucker and Lewis Orr, the three New York players mentioned.
0: Mm. Now on the 27th, Isaiah Lord Thomas III connected on a 23-foot jumper at the buzzer to lift his Detroit Pistons to victory 107-105 to at Washington. The Bullets shot themselves in the foot, not scoring <laughs> in the games, closing two minutes and 20 seconds. Zeke went for 26 points, 11 of which came in the final stanza. New Jersey's eighth year veteran James Bailey came off the bench and dropped a career high 35 points in his Nets 120 to 111 win over the travelling Cavaliers from Cleveland. He had 26 points at the half. New Jersey improved to just 7 and 20 on the season. Now on the 28th, Philadelphia visited LA and were blown out of the water 111 to 85. Magic Johnson top scored with 28 points and had nine assists. Portland travelled to Seattle and enjoyed a strong 127-118 to 118 win. Kiki Vandeweghe led all scorers with 32. And for the Supersonics, X-Man McDaniel had 25 of his 30 points in the first half. Another great friend of the show, Dale Ellis, episode 57, added 29 points. On the 29th, there were five games, wins for Cleveland, New Jersey, Boston, Utah and Washington.
1: On the 30th of December, Doug Collins is ready with open arms to welcome rookie Brad Sellers back to the team. Sellers defied team orders in missing the team's flight back from New York on Christmas Day, which resulted in a four-day suspension. Doug Collins said, I'm not one to hold grudges. He also said that he wasn't one to cut off his nose to spite his face. I'm ugly enough already. (laughs) Is that legit? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I like that. Now, on the 30th, Chicago hosted Golden State Warriors in front of 15,317, and the Warriors held on, though, for the 102-99 win. The Bulls dropped back to 500 again at 14-14. and For Chicago, Jordan had 31 points and four steals. Paxson had 20 points. Gene Banks, 16 points and five boards. Alston Turner, 14 points, and Dave Corzine, eight rebounds. For the Warriors... Joe Barry Carroll had 25 points and 9 boards. Chris Mullen, 23 points. Sleepy Floyd, 16 points, 11 assists. And Mr. Mean, Larry Smith, 13 boards. The victory ended the Warriors' three-game losing skid.
1: Jordan's 10 points, including two threes in the last 53 seconds, were not enough to get the Bulls over the line. And a last-second 30-footer, which would have tied the game, was off the mark. Mm. Jordan only had 21 up to the last 53 seconds and only shot 12 for 27 in the game as Bob Sakamoto reported that Chris Mullen played him well defensively. Steve Buffon-Coulter was the only bull to not see playing time in this game as trade rumours continue to circulate about him being sent to the 76ers in exchange for a friend of the show, Sadale Freet.
0: Hello to Sadale, if you're listening, and that's episode 12. Thanks to your great list there, mate, too. There are eight other games on December thirty. Michael Thompson hit a would-be season high of 29 points in his San Antonio Spurs 115 to 109 win over the visiting Utah Jazz. The Spurs were eight and 22 following the win. Akeem Olajuwon dropped a would-be 1987 regular season high of 44 points in his Rockets 105 to 102 road win over the LA Clippers. And Julius Irving, playing in his final career game at Denver. Blocked Fat Lever's potential game tying layup with just six seconds left. Philadelphia would secure the win, one eleven to one oh eight. Sir Charles had twenty-nine points and thirteen boards for Philly, whilst Alex English had thirty-six points and Fat Lever chimed in with twenty-seven for the Nuggets. Now mate, let's round out the episode with our players of the week. For December twenty-one, Matty Johnson of the LA Lakers averaged twenty-five point three points, eight rebounds, and fifteen point seven assists as his Lakers went two and one. December 28, Patrick Ewing of the New York Knicks averaged 26.3 points, 13.3 rebounds and two blocks per game as the Knicks went 3-0, and oh, and the Knicks' three straight wins had ended an eight-game losing streak and was the team's first winning run of games this season. They'd win four straight in this particular run. Our individual highs for this period of time, Maddie Johnson, 46 points for the Lakers at Sacramento on the 23rd of December. Sydney Green of Detroit, former Chicago Bull, had 23 rebounds at Milwaukee on the 30th of December. And Magic Johnson had 18 assists versus Portland on the 18th. And Isaiah Thomas of Detroit had also 18 assists on the 17th of December versus Utah. The player of the month for December was Magic Johnson, 27 points, 7.4 boards, 11.5 assists and 1.9 steals per game as the Lakers went 10-4 and for the month. The coach of the month was Frank Layden. He guided his Utah Jazz to a 12 and 3 record, and that included a 7 game win streak. And finally, the NBA standings through December 30. Our division leaders were in the Atlantic, Boston were 20 and 9. In the Central, Atlanta were 20 and 7. In the Midwest, Dallas were 19 and 9. And in the Pacific, the Lakers were 22 and 6. The Bulls were 14 and 14. They went 4 and 3 in this span. And the LA Clippers were a lowly 4 and 24 and they'd lost nine consecutive games. Now, that streak of losses for the Clippers would actually extend to be 16 straight before it was all said and done. So nasty times there for the LA Clippers. All right, mate, that rounds out episode five of MB 87. Thanks again for being a part of the show as always, mate. Invaluable contributor slash contributor. Um, Anything you'd like to add, mate, before
1: we wrap it up? Very interesting to see some talk of some potential trades during this period for the Bulls including the bulls potentially cutting the bouffant. Giddy up.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues, anus.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallairness. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash anus. Join me next time for another edition of the show. I had to think about that for a split second, but I like that you've really done well to stick with Buffon. Uh, had Buffon capitalized at one stage too, I saw in the notes. So you've gone above and beyond there. Well done. Did you realise you actually did capitalize his his nickname, Deedpole? <laughs> so that was great. Um, we got there. Doctor Duncan Scott learned to speak. Doctor Duncan Scott. Du- <laughs> okay.